Testing, testing, one, two. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. We're alive. We're well. And we've got a story to tell. This time, we're going to settle in the west of Germany. And we're joined by Fry. It's been cool and interesting to me because I've already been able to connect with people from different walks of life and living in different pockets of the world from the U.S., places like Pittsburgh and Utah, up to Canada. And now we're going to hunker down in Germany. Fry was kind enough to set some time aside and share his journey through navigating his way out of a toxic environment, an unhealthy environment, to put him in a better place mentally, emotionally, and even physically. You know, because stress, anxiety, depression, all all of that has an effect on our minds, of course, our spirit, but also our physical health. So he unpacks a lot of his his early childhood trauma, his feeling of neglect, abandonment, of not being accepted or in a way outcasted from his peers, his classmates, his battle with depression and how music got a hold of him. That was his therapy. That was something that he was able to ground himself in and brought meaning to his life, brought happiness to his life and how he's he's in a better place now because of it. So without further ado, Let's go ahead and get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Fry and his story. Hello, heute is Fry bei uns. Fry, wie geht's dir? <laughs> Mir geht's gut, vielen Dank. <laughs> I just had to throw my German in there. <laughs> wow, I'm impressed. Just, that was perfect. I guess you can say, ich kann bisschen Deutsch, ich lerne immer noch. Wow, that's amazing. So how's everything going, Fry? Thank you for joining us, taking time out of your day. I do appreciate your time, and welcome aboard. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really excited, and I've been excited for the entire week and really looking forward to, to doing this. Cool. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. So tell us a little bit about growing up in... Yeah, I know you're originally from Germany, so if you can just talk a little bit about how that was growing up and how things were for you back in the golden age. Yeah, sure. Yeah, in the in the in the 1980s. There you okay, <laughs> right? Oh, you're you're also. Yeah, I was, I was born in '84. '84, okay, yeah, yeah, right on. I'm a child of the '90s mostly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was born uh, and then later raised in um, a small town in North Rhine-Westphalia, which is in the west of Germany. Uh, and back then, Germany was still um, like divided. That was before the fall of the Berlin Wall, like uh, th- three years before. No, uh, 84, uh, five years before. Oh, and you, you, live, you live through that. Yeah, I, I, I was actually also um, once on the visiting, west side. Uh, yeah, on the west side. I was actually also once visiting uh, e- the eastern part of Germany with my, my family. We were uh, seeing some friends in, in Berlin. And I still remember like crossing the border and, and the, uh, the, the people from, from East Germany uh, checking our car and, and seeing the Berlin Wall when it was still, um, when it was still standing. 
Wow, that's crazy because like I told you, my wife is from Germany and she was from the east side. So oh. I've heard stories about about how it was when the wall came down because she was born. She was also, no, she was born in 82. So she yeah. was also a child when that happened. But I, it's always fascinating to hear the stories of the reactions of people. And then there was people from the the, the east that were rushing to get over to the west and um yeah. Yeah, it was. I I read about it when I was younger, and then we would hear stories about it. You see it on TV documentaries, but to actually um, li- hear stories, personal stories of people that lived through it, it, it was it was always fascinating for me. Oh yeah, I, I once stayed with a guy from East Germany uh, when I when I uh, was on vacation in uh, Bavaria, and uh, we like my my ex girlfriend and I we did some couch surfing there. And um, we met this guy uh, and stayed at his place. And he was when when he was younger, he was actually uh, fleeing from East Germany um, by swimming. Like he swam from from one of the beaches uh, somewhere in in East Germany right through Denmark at night with a friend. Wow! Like they they were in the water for like and that water, 48 that hours. That water is ice yeah, cold. Yeah. That was really, really impressive. Like they, they were in the water for, I think, almost 48 hours until they were rescued by uh, the, the Danish. And yeah, then he made it to West Germany Man. and uh, they, they allowed him in, in, in here. That just goes to show what the human body can do, like out of desperation. And my yeah. goodness, that's really pushing Absolutely. it to the yeah, limits. Yeah, I was also really fascinated yeah, so, by that. So we... We kind of got off track when yeah. so I just had to. <laughs> so back to back to how okay. it was for you um, growing up on the west side. Right. So yeah, I was growing up in this rather small town, and it's 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 a very conservative little town, really boring. Um, and but like for the first few years of my life, I, I still have very fond memories. Um, up until I was seven years old, probably, yeah, uh, and those come mostly from from spending a lot of time with my grandparents because my paternal grandfather, uh, who was a retired railway man, uh, he used to ride trains and buses with me all the time. And in in Wuppertal, uh, where where he lives, they have this, you know, this uh, Schwebebahn, this monorail upside down train, which uh, he he took me on like every day I saw him and uh, I really loved that and he also let me like watch construction site for sites for hours because like almost like uh, any little boy that's that's uh, what fascinated me like all the excavators and the heavy machinery and uh, my uh, maternal grandfather he had um, a house in the woods and he would often take me for long walks through the forest and um, explain nature to me, which I also like really uh, loved and, and found fascinating. And yeah, that like the that, that's a that's a cool thing because you were you were introduced to the outdoors. Right. And that's always like, you you know, a lot of there's a lot of people that I know, probably especially more nowadays that from an early age, all they know is technology, but it seems like at least in the beginning that you had the outdoors experience, your grandfathers, what they were taking you to um, see a lot of what's going on in the real world. Right. 
yeah and i'm very very grateful for her for that to this day like even though i i don't really um like the the town where i grew up now because like once you grow up things become very stale and boring there but growing up there as a child was actually more beneficial because like we had lots of uh, nature there and it was safe to be on the streets all all day long as opposed to like I'm later on I met many children who grew up in bigger cities and like they they got into into drugs and and other um, yeah. bad stuff really early so um I'm I really have, happy I have to ask you not to cut you off yeah um I have to ask you when when you were going through the woods and would walk through the forest did you guys ever go Peels hunting. Ah, um, no, I um, like um, my my grandfather uh, didn't didn't uh, hunt. That's mushrooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, <laughs> just for the people that didn't didn't get what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, no, we we mostly like he he showed me like um, all the um, like the the traces of the animals and which animal uh would make a certain uh oh, trace. That's cool. Yeah the and also swine. Yeah and uh like uh like uh birds and and rabbits and and deer and stuff like that. That's cool cuz when we take we take uh we always take walks through the forest my wife and I and, and my little dog our little dog and during it's usually October, I think, October, November, maybe even September, but you can see people with their uh, baskets and their bags and they're out there they're out there looking for the mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a cool thing to do, but um I unfortunately I never did that. And I and to okay. to this day I'm not really into um like these kind of mushrooms, like the ones you you just eat. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. right. <laughs> because uh, I I don't really like the the taste that much. But there's there's other mushrooms I I've enjoyed in the past. <laughs> now now the other ones we might be getting off topic a little bit, but yeah. the other ones you do you pick those out yourself or? Um, no, I bought them. You like uh, the Netherlands are always like uh, an hour uh, away from from here, so you can hop over there and, and buy some. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, right, right, right. So that so you had you had an outdoorsy childhood. It sounded like absolutely, yeah, yeah. The the first like ten to twelve years, um, definitely. So yeah, the the reason why I mentioned my my grandparents first before my parents is that like even though my mother is a very loving and caring woman and she she spent a lot of time with my sister and me when we were very young like she she was raising us reading us and telling us stories and also talking always talking to us like we were adults so i i actually learned uh how to speak like at a very very early age like when i was like i think one and a half years old and my mother she sometimes told me that whenever she went shopping with me and was asking me, hey, what should, should we get? And I was answering her, yeah, maybe some apples oh, and wow. stuff like that. Then uh, she would often say that other people were turning their heads like, whoa, he's so young. How come he's he's already talking that good? You were talking <laughs> like a grown adult. <laughs> yeah, be, I think mostly <laughs> because she, she was reading and, and telling us stories so much and, and facilitating our interests as well, Okay, uh, which which was really helpful. And I'm like, like, what you said earlier nowadays so many children are mostly raised by the tv or the the internet uh, which 
yeah, which can be very harmful and um, actually hinder your um, ability to to speak and and to to understand things. Especially when it's coming from outside sources, like you're not even having, say, for instance, if if you have a child and you're not having control over it, you might be at work, you might not be around. So they're they're getting this influence from so many different sources. And a lot Mm -hmm. of times, maybe more often than not, it's not coming from from a good place. Yeah, like from a place of love and... um and guidance yeah yeah you're easily influenced and the influence can be it it could be rotten to the core (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah but even though like my my mother did all that um she also suffers uh and still to this day from manic depression and my father on the other hand um he he did not but um we never really had the best relationship uh, since him and I are basically polar opposites and um, like both in our character and interests. And uh, like he had never, he never had much patience um, with children per se, like when it came to teaching and explaining stuff. So um, I basically had to teach myself how to swim, ride a bike and, and all that stuff because like even though he tried, with him, I could never, never do it because, like, yeah, there, there was no little to no patience involved, and I know from, 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 from him growing up that um, his parents also, even though like my, my, my grandparents were the nicest to to my sister and me, you know how it is. Like when, when, when they, they become grandparents, they, they kind of change, you know. And when they had him. They they weren't yeah. also being yeah. very patient with him, so uh, I think this this was the reason for for him having trouble explaining stuff. Were you the oldest? Were were yeah. you the older of the? Yeah, of my the sister, sister is two and a half years younger than me, and yeah, I also like much later, like when I was already twenty one years old, I also found out that he's not my biological father, but that he first met my mother when she was already pregnant with me. Um, I mean that that didn't really affect me. I was. I was a bit disappointed that um, they hadn't told me earlier, but uh, he was saying that they they feared that when I was still going to school that I would like neglect my my school and because I I got angry or or stuff like or something like that. Do you mind talking about if you ever found out who your biological father was, or if your mother ever? Oh yeah, I, I met him shortly after that. Oh, okay. because like he was. Uh, sending my 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 mother a letter and he wanted to meet me and um yeah there there was also no real connection with him i mean i, I even to I guess, this day you don't really yeah i i i found a letter <laughs> i found one of his letter in my mailbox like uh, a couple of months ago and he wanted to reconnect with me again but at this point you know like my relationship to both my parents isn't still isn't the best um i actually because because of her condition and because of her not taking care of it properly i um i'm now avoiding contact with my mother because um things have have gotten worse now and since my sister already has three kids um and she's a grandmother now um and still doing the same things that she did when when my sister and I were young i once told her that um either you're you're going to therapy and work on it 
And once I find out that you've been doing this for, let's say, like half half a year and still continue doing that, then we can um, be in contact again. That that was like almost two years ago, and to this day she hasn't taken care of that. So yeah, that's is... per that's strong for you to do because I know a lot of people because of the fact that it's a mother or father or even a sister or brother, even if the relationship is toxic, they can't sever the ties. It could be out of guilt mm. or for, for whatever the reason is, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be any good for you to hold on to it. And like what you did was, I mean, you, you gave her, I don't, if it's an ultimatum, or you, you gave her the opportunity, if this is important to you, you can work on yourself and when I see some improvement we can go ahead and and try to build again but until then it's probably better that it stays the way it is absolutely yeah and it's it's not that um, like my sister and I haven't tried helping her like we were doing everything possible in in, in our um, that, that we we could do to help her but um, she she never really um, like the it's it's really important that when you have problems like that, that you yourself do the first steps or the the, the most important steps. And she didn't do that. And so exactly. all my sister and I did for her was basically for nothing. And at a, at a certain point, like you, you, you can't do anything anymore. And then it's, it's better to, to tell those people, hey, figure this out yourself or leave me alone, you know. Right, yeah, and in the, and you still have it out there. Like whenever you do get it together, I'm still here. Absolutely, yeah. Once right. I see that, and I like my sister, she is still in contact with her, even though um, like also not that much. Um, but um, I I always when when I talk to my sister, I always ask her how she's doing, and yeah, she she's always telling me the same thing. Yeah, not not well, but she's also not taking care of it, so. The, yeah, the same old song, and then it's, yeah, eventually, when do you draw the line? Right. Yeah, and that, that takes me back, like, to, to my childhood, because, like, at the time I was seven, my parents then split up and later got a divorce. And at first, like, my sister and I, we were devastated, but um, we later accepted it because for the last couple of years of their marriage, they were constantly fighting and um, this is something I also still remember. And them not fighting every day uh, was was for the better for for us. But like apart from that, one of the biggest mistakes my parents made then was always talking uh, badly about each other uh, in the absence of the other one after the divorce. Even and they were like often trying to turn. Uh, my sister and, and me against the other other one and also their new partners, uh, which is probably why to this day I still have I, I have a huge problem with authority, and I stopped lis listening to them very very early. Did you feel like they were doing that to try to get you to side with one or the other, like trying to put themselves in a good light and put the other in yeah. a bad light, so you would side with them or? Yeah. I mean, they were still relatively young when that happened. They were about my age now. I'm now 38. And when they got divorced, they were also 38. And um, I think my mother, like being 
manic depressive and my father also having uh, had the troubles with his parents when he were younger i think they didn't have the um uh what's the word they they um, they pretty much weren't taught how to raise a child yeah i spoke about this before and and it it really comes down to if you're not handed over information or you don't have the tools mentally physically whatever it is to deal with a situation how can you pass that on to the next yeah absolutely and and if it's not something that you're you're passed down and it's not something that you learned yourself there's really no you're you know you're you're dealing with an empty tool bag right and i think in order to improve on yourself and your improve your situation you have to become very introspect yes you know yes. like uh, always always thinking about hey what have i done wrong today or why why did i do the things i've done and how can i turn things around and both my parents are even to this day not really the the kind kind of people uh who would do that i mean my father now that he's a grandfather which is something that like that also happened with his parents like with my uh nephews and and, and niece he's a completely different person like uh he mm. used to be unnecessarily strict when we were younger i still remember that um we we weren't allowed to talk when we were eating and which like this is a good thing the tv had to be turned off and we had to finish our um our meals before we could get up and now when i see him with my with his grandchildren like they they can do anything they want like they they can watch tv they don't have to finish their their meals and uh, can get their dessert like right away and mm-hmm. whenever i tell him hey you know how it was back then he's like nah you you're uh you're exaggerating <laughs> so it's safe is it yeah. safe to say i mean from what i gathered right now is you're the opposite you're more of a introspective person yeah absolutely and that's funny that you you mentioned about not being able to get up because that was the same thing when we were younger it was if you don't finish your food you can't go outside and play and our dinner our dinner table was right next to the window mm-hmm. i was always the last one to finish the food and so i'm i'm <laughs> peeking out the blinds my brothers are already yeah. done with their food they're playing outside all the kids are riding their bikes running around in the street and i'm looking out the window and my mom is like you can't get up until you finish the food and oh my god that was like that was the worst i would i would have to force it down but i you know i found a way and finally it's like good yeah. it's like i'm I'm out I'm out of prison. <laughs> you know, I can go outside and play now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean some rules are of course for for the better. Um but I still remember so many things that that right, were unnecessary, right. uh, especially with him. And um yeah, so this is like the main reason why I stopped listening to my parents at a relatively early age and stopped seeing them right, as role models. You were saying you had a trouble with authority after that. Yeah, sure, because like when when you're like being told what to do and even when when you when you're pretty young you you already figured out like some of this doesn't yeah, yeah some of this doesn't really spirit. make sense then uh like nowadays whenever like anyone tells me what to do and I I smell bullshit I um I'm not doing it. <laughs> so is so is it more like just out of 
like a rebel without a without a cause or you feel like it's more of you questioning authority i you think know, you're not just going to go along with it just to go along with it you like let me this doesn't make sense why am i going to do that yeah i mean now i'm definitely like a, a rebel but i think up to up to until i i was probably 12 or 13 years old i was i was probably i was probably a, a really a well-behaved child um i still remember like i had a friend when i was 10 years old uh, he was more like of a, a real troublemaker and maybe he had he had a he, had, he was also having like a bad influence on me he but was a hell raiser yeah yeah but like when i when i when i was like out with him he was always doing like uh the opposite of what he should have been doing right and um i i kind of became like that uh when i when i was like in my in my teens like 13 14 i think that's when a lot of for for a lot of different reasons we 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 start to put our hand in the fire when we shouldn't yeah i mean i i was also seeing how or more i was understanding more how um my mother's about my mother's condition because oh, okay like during my my teen year teenage years i remember like um when when she whenever she was depressed she uh, would often cause unnecessary trouble for for the family and mostly for my sister and, and me um like she would sometimes disappear without out a warning um um or completely like neglect herself and let herself go like i, I remember when i when i was about 15 to to 17 years old that all she did in with her day was like watching soap operas um and most of the time with my sister before she got to an age where she wanted to go out and meet friends and party wow so you you pretty much were having to uh take care take care of things on your own huh yeah most of the time sometimes my um my sister and i just took care of everything with um like whenever she she had a manic phase for instance Uh, she would often make plans and, and promises to us, like, oh, we're going on, on vacation and we're doing this and that, which then never happened because we, what many people often do is like they make plans and, and they're excited about stuff and they they don't even know how to how to do things. Yeah, my, my sister and I, we were slowly getting used to that and um, pro practically raising ourselves more and more as time went by. And this was, you were still in high school or, yeah, pretty much high school during this time? Yeah, yeah. That was also, like, um, the t around the time that um, I had my, my first depression. You mind talking a little bit about that? Yeah. The first severe depression uh, was when I, uh, when I was about 16 years old because I, I had to repeat a year at school. And um, I really basically couldn't really connect with the the people in my new class and over the course of that school year as the contact to my old friends uh, from before became less frequent because like once you're not in the same class anymore this this just happens you know uh, I became more and more of a loner and like every day after school I would just sit at home all day playing video games by myself Uh, like I, I started playing video games before that, but um, I I always played them with my friends because um, that was something they 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 were also doing, and we would often play together. 
But like the, the combination of that, like playing video games all the time and then seeing how my mother and sister were also just being very passive and watching TV all day and then failing to connect with, with the people at school that I think those were the catalysts for me becoming more and more depressed uh, to the point where I became like really blocked and I, I couldn't talk to people anymore. Like when whenever I was at school during the breaks and in, in between the lessons, when I was trying to talk to people, I, I couldn't think of anything. Like nothing would, out, would, would come out of, of my mouth. And that was also when I had to say something during class, when the teacher picked me out to, to say, say something. So before that, I was all, always very talkative and a, a pretty creative child and I would often write stories or draw comic strips with my friends and all of that was completely gone and even though I tried real hard to come up with anything during like a conversation uh, I, I couldn't think of anything I was like really really blocked and that that bothered me a lot. You you think now I know you said it it was a, a combination of things so it was it sounds like it was the environment. It wasn't really the healthiest of environments because of what you're looking around and, and your sister, your mother, they're not in a good place and you're not doing much of anything at the time but playing video games and kind of losing the human connection that you once had. So it was safe to say it was a combination of all those things that put you in a in a depressive state. Yeah. It might also be uh, hereditary as well. Because like not not only was my mother having these depressions and manic phases all the time, but uh, my grandmother, due to the fact that her parents, my my great grandparents, they were both killed uh, during the the Nazi um, occupation of Germany. Um, oh, so wow. she grew up in a foster home, and she never really um, she never really dealt with that. I still to this day I, I don't know much about it because she would not often talk about it, especially not with with her grandchildren, but also not with uh, my mother and her siblings. But she would often let things out on them. You know, not only is my mother having problems to this day, but uh, some of my un uncles and and aunts. Um, I think this like really messed up two to three generations of my family. Which is understandable. I mean, that oh. was a, a horrible, yeah, yeah. Uh, horrible time. So during that time when you you weren't able to connect with the kids, you were in school but having a hard time focusing. And now was this all throughout school, or there was a time where you kind of um, wiggled your way out of it and and things started mm -hmm. to to look more on the positive side? Yeah, that happened um, after that um, school year because um, I talked to my my uh, my class teacher. I told him that I would like to um, to be transferred to another class where uh, I knew more people and where also some of my old friends who had also to repeat a year. Luckily, he said yes since he saw how much I hated being in his class. Not because of him though, because he was a great teacher. And I had him uh, later, later on, I had him as my history teacher again, which uh, is the reason why I still to this day, am, I'm very interested in history and, and often read or uh, watch documentaries about it. But yeah, he, he let me go to a different class and 
soon after that, my condition changed for the better. I made new friends there. I went out more and spent less and less time playing video games. Yeah, that, that lasted for, for that entire year. But then when I turned 18, I had another severe depression phase because um, like most of the people I hung out with, uh, changed schools after, after that year and I was mostly on my own again. So <laughs> the same thing happened, happened again. And this time I remember on my 18th birthday, I, I was making, I was thinking like, ah, now, now you're 18. Now you have to, to basically become an adult. And I was thinking right away. And I was trying to, um, to study real hard at school and to, to kind of change my, um, my, my behavior more to, to become, to, to become a better student. But, uh, after a while, when I saw that I, I was mostly on my own and I still couldn't connect with all the other, um, people in my class, then the next depression phase kicked in and I got blocked again. It's, it seemed like you were, you were putting a lot of pressure on yourself. Yeah. I mean, I was always like a nonconformist at school because like, like I said, like, about the time I, I turned 12, 13, I was becoming like a rebel myself and um, which was also like um, probably a reason why I couldn't connect with most of the, the people at school because most of them were really nice kids and they, they were coming from good homes. And um, I always had the feeling that they were because they knew my parents were divorced and um, especially when I was younger. They like some of their parents told them like, ah, oh, you have you have to help this guy. He's he's having trouble at home, and I always hated that. I didn't want to. I didn't want to be treated different differently. You know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Can you kind of give a picture or or an example of how it looked like for you during that second phase? Because I know you said there was a second phase where you had a, I wouldn't call it a phase, but the second depression. Mm-hmm. episode that you had like were, were there certain things that yeah that um manifested because of it like say for instance not speaking with anybody kind of going in your shell distancing yourself anything like that yeah all that and plus like a certain feeling of guilt because i tried real really hard to become like quote a quote unquote uh better person by studying and, and, and behaving all the time. And I kind of felt like this, this wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I had to learn how to be okay with the fact that I'm a nonconformist and um, I don't easily fit in, in like, especially at school, you know how, how school is. They, they, don't, they don't really want you to be creative or um, think differently. So, yeah, I, but that kind of made me feel a bit guilty, I guess. But at the same time, I also experienced that something was missing from my life because I, I mentioned before that I was always a very creative child. And whenever I found something I liked, I would like really delve into it and, and become obsessed with right. it. So for, for a time when, when I was younger, it was uh, drawing like drawing comic strips and, 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 and pictures of superheroes <laughs> and reading comic books. And um, then it became inline skating, mountain biking mm-hmm. um, for a couple of years, martial arts. And when I turned 17, also weightlifting. But um, like 
it's the case with so many children, uh, I would either lose interest in, in that or uh, couldn't fur further pursue some, some, some of that because of like monetary reasons or family troubles as well. Right. Yeah, I, I needed something in my life to, to get out of this. Because like I saw with my mom, she uh, had her first child, which I found out much later when she uh, was in her early 20s or when she was even, I think, 19. Like my, my older half-brother, uh, whom I met much later, uh, who didn't grow up with, uh, with us. I think she could never find or pursue anything that would maybe help her um, overcome her m depressions and, 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 and manic, manic phases. So um, I kind of, maybe this more subconsciously, but I, I kind of felt that I needed something in my life to, to really um, help me focus and, and get out of this, this cycle because like I said, this was already the second time I had severe depression and I was kind of fearing that like with my mother, this would always be happening to me again and again. That that depression, it seems like it even not forced you, but it put you in a position where you started to look inward and figure out how can I get myself mm -hmm. out of this and get better. Yeah, but... At that point, I, I didn't really have a clue. So I, I just basically, um, I, I set it out. I, I, I lived through my days waiting for, for anything to happen. And, then, and you were already out of school by this time? No, no, I was, I was still uh, at school. I was 18 and okay. um, I had like three years ahead of me. In Germany, we, we go to um, the equivalent of high school a little longer than uh, people in the U.S. Like we okay. usually, it depends on when, when, you, uh, when you first go to school. But um, I, um, since I also had to repeat a year, uh, I graduated school when I was already uh, 21. Okay. So, yeah, okay. still had three years, three years to go. And yeah, shortly after that depression finally ended, um, I was then like one night watching uh, MTV and all of a sudden like the music video for the Guns N' Roses song Sweet Child of Mine came on and I knew about that band before and I liked a couple of their songs like November Rain and uh, but I didn't really knew who they were and uh, then seeing Slash for the first time playing the song and the whole vibe of the video that that really spoke to me somehow like an entire new level and even though I was like um, interested in music uh, for a while already uh, I I was only writing songs like lyrics kind of mostly rap rock stuff because I, back then I was still listening to like Kit Rock okay. <laughs> and Limp Bizkit. Yeah, Limp Bizkit. Uh, yeah, yeah. But also like <laughs> lots of hip hop, like Run DMC, uh, Cypress Hill. Okay, some Quest. old school stuff. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I still love that to this day. I, I'm really into the, the old school hip hop. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, um, that kind of gave me the idea, maybe I should try uh, becoming a guitarist because like, I kind of felt like a connection to to Slash, like all his mystique. Like he was just standing there with his Les Paul, and you couldn't really see his face. And he, he's he's more like like a character, you know. <laughs> and that that really uh -huh. fascinated he me. He was entertaining. Yeah, he was entertaining. 
And yeah, so um, I asked a guy from from school um, who knew how to play guitar to show me like my, my first couple of chords and write them down for me. And then I got got an old acoustic guitar from my mother's then partner and started practicing right away. And after just one week, I was already hooked. Like I knew I had found my thing, you know, I um, and I wanted to do nothing else but <laughs> becoming a great guitarist because like after one week of playing I already knew all the chords and, and I could strum them and, and play around with them even though I was already like 18 years old and I knew that most musicians start at a very early age like when they're like six or seven years old um, I still had more than two years of school ahead of me which was like okay I can like an excuse for me to to really focus on that because I didn't have to go to work and, and do grown-up stuff, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, all I did from that point on was playing the guitar. Like, after school, I would play up to six hours every day. Uh, and on the weekends, I would even play up to 12 hours. Um, Man, would you just lock yourself in the room and... Yeah, when, when I, like, the 12-hour thing, that was, like, I, I met two amazing guitar teachers. Or first, um, the first one I met, um, he was only, like, uh, I think two and a half years older than me and he was becoming more of a, a good friend but uh, like uh, he would take me to to a session place in Düsseldorf every weekend where um, you could just hop on stage and, and play with like seasoned musicians and um, oh, cool. I really like like um, after playing for the entire day we would go there and then um, play sessions with like really amazing musicians, which which I'm really grateful for because there I learned how to how to improvise and listen to others and what they're doing. That's what I was like, going to ask you. Are you guys just on stage together improvising, just playing yeah. off each other? Yeah, we would never play covers. Like uh, oh, we would always nice. like freestyle. Yeah, more like kind of I I'd call it aggressive funk because that, it was okay. like um, we were playing like. Um, since I, I wasn't that, that good um, yet, uh, I would just play one funky uh, dominant seventh chord and really um, just listen to the bass player and drummer, what they were doing, then just uh, work on like the, the dynamics with them. And uh, we would often just play on one chord, but then there, there would be my, my guitar teacher and buddy, he would like solo over it. And um, yeah, that's that, that a was good really way. Cool. That's a good, I think that's a good way to sharpen your chops because you're not just reading off of a, you're not, you're not just reading off of a paper, but you're actually feeling it. Yeah. You're playing off each other. Right. And that has a lot more passion. And like, it sounds, you are already the creative type. So that was right up your alley. Right. Plus it was okay to, to smoke weed in there, even by the cuff. <laughs> Like one, one night the cops were, were there and I was like, oh shit, what, what should we do? And they, no, they, they say it's okay. It's better. They say it's, it's better for um, like the musicians like smoking uh, in here oh, than going through on the street. Yeah, right. Going through town and, and bothering people there. So yeah, they oh, were okay so with the, it. So, so that's the way to, to smoke weed here le legally. You got to know how to play an instrument. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then just jam with others. <laughs> <laughs> you get a pass. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I, I really enjoyed those those years because um, um, yeah, that helped me become become a better guitarist. And after one year, I um, started taking lessons from from my guitar teacher's teacher, 
because uh, he wasn't uh, he he didn't have the time anymore to teach me, and so I I went to his old teacher, and from him I I learned like so much about music theory and um, learned all the scales and and uh, how to um, how to improvise over certain chords and um, yeah I became like really really good over like in, in, in a short amount of time. I remember then that when, when I graduated school after uh, like, like two and a half years later, uh, I was like already better than most guitarists I knew who had uh, started playing at a very early age. It's safe to say from the music that was, that was like a lifesaver for you. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could tell you that from that day on, uh, when when I started playing, um, I never experienced depression again. But then there there was one last, but like the most severe phase shortly after I started playing, because that was like what I what I told you before we started recording. Uh, what my my new song is also about. Like I, I fell in love with a girl at school that I shouldn't have fallen in, in love with because she was already in a relationship and uh, there was like no chance for me of getting together with her. And yeah, same thing. Like it, it really messed me up um, because like she was also from, she, she was also hanging out with those people who who were coming from, from quote unquote good family situations and it kind of again made me feel like an outsider because um I, I couldn't still couldn't connect with those people before before that um it didn't bother me that much because i had my guitar and i i had new friends like mostly musicians and i was hanging out with them and they were also all non-conformist people but yeah since uh, since i i was like way too much in love with her and like there there was no hope for that um yeah i i became like really depressed again and i even then had at one point a manic phase where uh, i lost sense of reality for for like a couple of days which i have had never experienced before and that like really sh shook me whoa can yeah. get, you know i i've yeah sorry to cut you off but I'm interested a bit, if, if you don't mind just sharing, I know you said it was for a couple yeah. of days, but just how exactly does that feel like? Or uh, what were you going through during those those two days? Um, if you can even recall, because I, I, I know yeah, you, it seems Yeah, like I can't was... go too much into detail because some of it is a little embarrassing no, for no, me, that's to be fine, honest. No, no, that's fine, that's yeah. fine, um, But, like, one of the things is, um, you know, when... Um, like some some people uh, that that often happens to um to people who are addicted to uh amphetamines mm -hmm. like meth for instance you start you start overthinking things uh yeah and seeing patterns where uh, there aren't any like i remember one day walking around town thinking that everyone was watching me and talking about me and when i was like overhearing conversations from strangers, I was like projecting everything they said onto myself. And I was thinking they are talking about wow. me. You know, that, that lasted for like That's a scary. couple of days. And after that, yeah, it, it, it was. But it luckily it was like the only time I've had it because after that, I was like really, shortly after that, I, I was still struggling with the depression side. But once I got out of that, um, I knew that I had to um, 
to keep working on myself and I did that through music. Now did um not to stay on that topic too long, but did how yeah. how did that end? Did you you just snap out of it or um I think I I I like the the manic phase, yeah. My my first guitar teacher who was a good friend of mine, he uh he kind of took care of me. Like he let me sleep at his his place and um sit things out mostly and he he was talking to me because he, he also slowly knew about brought the, you the girl out i was in love with right and after that like i said um after that was over i still was struggling with severe depression for a couple of months even mostly also because i i saw the girl like every day because we were going to school together oh. and we still had like uh, i think a, a, a full year of school ahead ahead of us yeah seeing her every day <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know if you know that Pink Floyd song, Coming Back to Life. Coming Back, Coming back to, to Life, life. It's I do. from their later albums. By the way, Pink Floyd is, to me, the most beautiful music I, I can imagine. And it speaks to me on, like, on another level. Like, this is probably, their music is um, the music I can most, most identify with. Mm, that's the one that, that hits home for you. It speaks to the right. heart. Now, yeah, cor correct me if I'm wrong. I don't. I don't know if the, I never tried to do it, but I used to always hear about it when I was younger. Um, there was one of his albums. I don't know if it's Dark Side of the Moon that you can play mm -hmm. through with the Wizard of Oz in the background, or it plays along. Yeah, with and it. also with um, two thousand one, like with the final uh, twenty minutes of two thousand one. It's Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah, how, how does that look, how does that look like or sound like? It it just goes together. Yeah, or? it's it's kind of synced. I I only I've only done it with uh, 2001, not with the Wizard of Oz, but it's uh, it's creepy. <laughs> Is it pretty trippy? Yeah, uh, I mean it's. I'm gonna have um, to do that. They uh, they were I, I I've seen an interview with um, was it with David Gilmour or with Roger Waters, one of them. And they they were asking um, him about it, and he said it's it's pure coincidence, but maybe it's because it's great art, and it, it's coming from from a certain place, you know. <laughs> right, and then it, and then sometimes I guess even if it's if there's two separate mediums of the art form, but on a subconscious level somewhere somehow they connect and sync and if you find the right match you right. you realize oh wow these two go together mm -hmm. oh and it's the song echoes by the way from the album before uh dark side of the moon like echoes, if you listen okay. to echoes yeah it's a 20 minute song and it's it's so epic and and impressive uh on its own but if you sync that up to the final 20 minutes of uh 2001 then it's yeah, it's it's like a music video. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna have to do that. I I'm gonna set some time aside to see how that goes. I think there's there's a cut uh, on YouTube where you don't have to put in the work and just can sit back and enjoy it. I mean, you, YouTube, yeah. what can't you find on YouTube? <laughs> Absolutely right. <laughs> so your your um, teacher or your men not your mentor, but um, your friend, your your guitar teacher, he slowly yeah slowly helped you come to grips with reality come back to life right yeah like he would we would still go to that session place and hang out even more than before which really helped me because he's also like a nonconformist, and we were we're basically the same person <laughs> to a certain extent 
and uh, we were getting along so so well so i i was always like jamming with him and then i continued taking lessons from his teacher um but at the same time like um like all this dedicating myself to becoming the best guitarist i could be i think that mostly that has um then had changed me and um helped me first of all uh overcoming that but then later on never fall into that trap again mm. that's important that's that's no because one. to stay out of it. yeah because through through music i learned like what focus and discipline really mean and how to calm myself down since before that i've always been like a rather uh, lively and, and hectic person especially when i was a teenager and i i constantly need new input or i get bored which is probably why school was such a big problem for me uh, in the first place like that too and like over the years i became more patient both with myself and then later on also with other people since i uh, like after three years of playing i i became a guitar teacher and to this day i have been teaching students from from all age groups walks of life and experience level uh, and that's yeah for almost like 17 years so now. you're doing that full time yeah so it's now i'm slowly switching from being a full-time guitar teacher to um solely being a musician um but at the moment it's still uh half half do you do you do that mostly online or do you do live guitar lessons or yeah, a combination my, of both my students they they come to to my place here and uh, i play with them it's it's one-on-one -on -one because i also do online guitar lessons uh, mostly um like a, a video course that i offer as part of my okay i've seen it i've seen your youtube channel you have you have a lot of those those are good those they i mean most of it is in deutsch yeah, but yeah. I mean, I, I see that that you also offer those. Yeah, the English ones are in my um, for my um, online Patreon course, and um, I mean okay. those are good. If if some someone would ask me, hey, I can't afford like one on one guitar lessons, but I want to to learn how to play guitar anyway, I would definitely recommend like these video lessons and and um, doing that. But they're still like. There's nothing like that one-on-one, right. -on -one, hands-on, like together Absolutely. in the same room. Yeah, right? Even with all those books now and and like uh, DVDs you can get and and YouTube videos, it's still um, because you can do so many things wrong. Even if you have like a, an instruction in front of you, like a, a book or or even a video, you can you can still like put your fingers slightly wrong there on on the fretboard. And and um, maybe uh, yeah, also other things like tone control and stuff like that. And once you have someone that um, that you're seeing like on a weekly or like bi-weekly basis, who who sees what what you're doing and then um, is able to correct you, that's still irreplaceable. Yeah. So the music was your that was your outlet. Absolutely, yeah, and and the the main catalyst for me never falling into that depression or even manic uh, phase mm. trap ever again. 
everybody has their their reason, their why. I always hear that you got to find your why or some people it's a family member, it could be a partner and I mean music, that's that's also that's a universal language and for you it speaks in a in a more personal and dear way than than uh, maybe the way it does to some other people. Yeah. Uh- I mean, it's it's the best thing that ever happened to me, and I'm so grateful for this. I mean, this is also the reason why I why I am a full time musician and not doing this as a hobby because I knew that if I like had gotten a job after like a, a real quote unquote job after school, yeah, <laughs> um, and just did the guitar thing as a hobby, I knew from like from my school days that I wouldn't fit in, 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 in most places. Like you, you can't like put me in, in like an office space and expect me to, to sit there for eight hours every day and, and do what I'm told. And, and yeah, I, I think had I done, I, I can respect that about <laughs> you. I, I like the fact that you, you pretty much have accepted and embraced your individuality. Yeah non-conformist that's the way because everybody i mean especially when you're in school they raise you and almost breed you in a way to just go by the standards the regulations the rules the schedule everything but not everybody is like that and everybody is different yeah that's true and i think that had i done that i would have probably fallen back into the the same cycles you would have went crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's not for you. Yeah, right. And um, like... Um, so, so it's also your therapy. I mean, it's your therapy. It's your everything, music. Yeah, it helped me like like writing songs and, and thinking about what has happened to me and, and putting that into to a song and, and like learning how to, to express my, my feelings through the guitar as well that helped me overcome these things. And I, I still I, I have certain family members like like one of my cousins um, who never who never um, found anything like this. And to this day, they're still blaming like everything on their childhood. And like when, whenever they mess up and, mm-hmm. and fall back into like nasty habits, like they always mention their their shitty childhood and I think this is this is very unhealthy and um yeah I never really went to therapy like at at one point during one of the depression phases I tried seeing a therapist like I literally knocked on his door because like I come I come from a small town and I knew okay in this house here here's living a therapist maybe I just knock on on his door and then ask him for like an appointment but he he basically just sent me away because he 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 wasn't take taking me seriously or maybe he was too busy, too busy. or something. Yeah. yeah, so I yeah, like with so many things like figuring out how to to ride a bike and how to to shave and and stuff like that. I also had to figure out um on my own how to overcome depression and how to um to prevent myself from ever falling into that trap again and uh, i'm really really happy and grateful that i uh, i found music and that this was the thing for me that was your your therapy office was every time you went to those jam sessions or you met up with that um, guitar instructor of yours right 
And then after school, like a year after that, I, I moved away from that uh, small town to, to Cologne, where I still live um, to okay. this day. And also like being in a bigger city where you can also like broaden your mind by like uh, meeting new people every day and, and having exciting um, opportunities um, all, all around you that also helped me and also like having the, the physical distance to my family um, was like really important for me because I sometimes go back to this to, to my to my hometown because my sister lives there uh, with with her family and I'm I'm always happy to see her and my my, my nephews and my niece uh, but I'm also always happy when when I'm leaving because I, I really can't stand that place. <laughs> yeah. It's good to go. It's good to visit, but it's so good to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I also like I, I've written a song about this. Like my my first ever uh, solo, uh, my my first ever single as a solo artist is called "This Is the Place," and you can watch the music video on YouTube. I went back to to my hometown and uh, and filmed like all the places I, I grew up uh, at um, and and made like a, a music video out of this and really tried capturing like the the boring uh, aspect and the dullness of this place. <laughs> so yeah, like in a way, this is also like a form of therapy. Now I have this song, and uh, it's a it's a catalyst, you know. I'm sh I'm sure also like you said for you um music has been your lifesaver and your therapy now that also is probably going to be something that a lot of other people can relate to w regarding the ones that come to you for lessons or the ones that you instruct I'm sure some of them that has been the same the the same thing for them as far as music is is what's helping me it's what I love it's it's bringing life back into my life <laughs> Absolutely. And since I became a solo artist, um, I've also joined a great music um, coaching program. And the first thing they taught us um, there was how to tell our life story and how to use it uh, in order to better connect with our audience and in order to even like if that's our um, like our goal or intention to help people and I'm now like um, over a year into my solo career and I've already built a small community of like-minded music enthusiasts and there's a handful of people in there who also went through depression, abuse and severe illness who let me know that uh, once they discovered my music and uh, listened to, to a couple of my songs um, that that was very helpful to them and this is like hearing that is like the greatest gift for an artist because then you see okay not only uh, did my music help me but it's now also helping others as well oh yeah that's a beautiful thing and I'd like to also share all that information your YouTube channel your music and everything that you have going on in the description box so we can we can get that information from you um, later and people that want to check out your music or see what you have to offer say they 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 have a guitar they love strumming on the guitar strings and that type of thing and they can connect with you in a musical sense yeah and also if 
I mean, as of now, it's still uh, mostly on Facebook and I don't know how many people are still using that, but um, I have built my, like my, my main community on Facebook and there is a group called the Fry McDunston Street Team Group where all these people are meeting. So over there you can share um, not only like your, your favorite music and um, your interests, but also uh, let people know like if, if you uh, were struggling with anything and, uh, or, or still are and how, how uh, to overcome this or how you overcame it. It's become the favorite thing uh, about my, my music career, like nurturing this community of people, this group, and um, talking to people there. And every other week I do a live stream there and, and play some music for, uh, for the community and also share the latest news there. Oh, okay, yeah. I can add also, I was listening to some of your stuff and I, I shared one of them with you, The Mirage, the new song, it's groovy, it's bluesy. Your music, it has a sound that can, it, it, there's something for everyone. If you like the hard stuff, aggressive stuff, if you like that laid back and chill stuff, some something groovy, something funky, bluesy, like I said, this last one that you put out on, on YouTube, it's something for everyone. So I like that you can play a variety of things. And I was even on your YouTube channel and I seen that you were even giving a tutorial on how to play some Bob Marley. So reggae even. Yeah. I mean, that that's the, um, that's, I think, uh, the... You have a, you have a big range. You have a, a dynamic yeah. range. That's the, um, to a part, the Led Zeppelin influence because the Zeppelin did that all the time back then they they had a funk song they had like a reggae song even and um then like their hard rock and blues stuff and no two of their songs uh ever sounded alike and this is like my approach yeah. as well because you... i also enjoy listening to all these these artists i love bob marley and the whalers uh I how, love... about, how about uh we were talking earlier about the 90s stuff how about yeah. sublime oh yeah like if Brad, if Bradley hadn't, yeah, if Bradley hadn't died when they, uh, when they, uh, like broke and, and released that Sublime album, I think they would have been one of the biggest artists of Agreed. the night because they were so Agreed. unique. Yeah, I they love that. They had the ska, the, yeah, the reggae. They had, uh, yeah, it was yeah. a little bit of yeah, punk. Yeah, funk. Yeah, and punk. Funk and punk. Go. Yeah, as well. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah they were. They, I still I have a lot of their stuff that I, I listen to uh, on Spotify. Like you know, you can find a, a lot of a lot of everything on there. Actually, you you have a Spotify playlist too, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's a beautiful thing that you're able to connect, and then even this community that you have going on. That's like you said, that's your baby right there. That's a, a joy in itself. Yeah, and one of my goals for the next couple of years is to um, to further grow it and also expand it to um, my my inner circle community. Like the the group on Facebook is is free, so you can join this and and um, connect with people there. But I also like, as you know, like okay. as musicians, we have to 
to live <laughs> and and make oh, money. Of course, yeah. I'm also like that old saying that starving musician. Right. <laughs> and in order to to not be a starving artist anymore, I'm now working on my inner circle community, which is like behind a paywall. But what you get f for your money there is like you can connect with me more personally through one on one Zoom calls. I can teach you um, like in addition to my video guitar cool. course cool. i can i can do like one-on-one -on -one zoom sessions with you and uh, i i will also do these um live stream hangouts um over zoom where like people can uh connect with each other by like because with with these zoom calls everybody's um able to speak and and uh say speak their mind there uh and i'm i'm now um constantly um working on that and um building an, an even better community over there that that's awesome and um i wish you the best with those endeavors now i know you're dealing with a lot of people through zoom and is there anything you can offer to somebody who has been through a similar situations some advice some tips i know for you it was music but just any kind of words of encouragement for somebody who may be going through that right now and they still haven't figured out how to mm -hmm. come out of that dark place? Yeah. Like, if you are struggling in life, like so many people do nowadays, like, even, I think, like, after the, the past three years, even more people than ever before, I think the most reasonable thing first is of course to seek professional help um, and and make that take that first step um, because um, yeah not everyone is as fortunate as me um, and find something that like grips them to a point where they dedicate their entire life to it and 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 having that um, being their like anchor but like once you've started getting back on the right track through ter uh, therapy, I would recommend try finding something that gives your life meaning and direction. And you don't necessarily have to make it like the focal point of your life like I did with my music, but it should be something that you enjoy doing every day and that helps you become a better person over time. And also at the same time, please make sure that it's something that you could theoretically overdo without it affecting your health or your social life. Because at some point in your life, it could be like the, the main reason for you to stay on the right path. And like, like playing video games, for instance, which I did before I became a musician, as fun as they are and as much of a distraction they can be from, from your day-to-day -day life, they um they would like not fall into the the good category because um yeah it's yeah it's it's not healthy to to be on your own uh, and watching a screen all the time and for many people this is often like even the like the the catalyst for their suffering and the reason for their their depression but it can be anything it can like like you said it can be finding a partner um, or starting a family or, um, yeah, art in general, like painting, uh, writing stories. Like I have, I have one, I, I have one of my fans, uh, who recently became a songwriter and that is helping her, 
through uh, depression and uh, that that's giving her yeah. like so much self-esteem and I, I write with her every day and I she she's she often sends me what uh, what she's been working on and now she's making like uh, new connections like um, networking all the time and that is really helping her you know perfect yeah well said yeah um, and what's really important is to always be honest with yourself uh, and um, always bear in mind that you yourself have to make the first step you have to want it no nobody no nobody can force you to do this and even though like maybe maybe you find some people who are meaning well and this is like something that i've experienced from dealing with my mother if if the person going through all that is not serious about wanting to change their lives then it's it's almost no use like it would it doesn't even matter if you treat the person that's a great point right or wrong because to them it it's it's kind of the same they will always find an excuse to fall back into old habits and um and and start or do the same mistakes again even though like all the people around them is giving their best to to prevent this so like what you really have to if if you are wanting to to get out of your situation and if you are wanting to seek help you you still have to remember that it's always mostly on you so you really have to want it otherwise there's no use you can you can just say okay i'm, I'm going to uh, to therapy now but i will not be honest with my therapist at least only be honest to to them to a certain degree Uh, that it doesn't work that way. You have to to be completely honest, both with yourself and with your therapist, and also with the people around you, and to really, yeah, stick to it. It you cannot have asked this. That's right. That that reminds me of the old saying: "You can lead the horse to the water, mm -hmm. but you can't make them drink it." Right. And you have to do the work, and that is pretty much what you did when you when you were going through your episodes and when you weren't doing too well you looked in and you in your mind in your spirit in your heart you felt like I've I've got to change some things I can't stay this way yeah and, and it's you not, made the effort right yeah and it's not that 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 I'm now like a hundred percent happy all the time oh, and, yeah, and no. nothing nothing is happening to me anymore I have still suffered like a couple of setbacks even um, after I became a musician and even quite recently, but I have found something that will always like ground me and always um, your be anchor. there. You have your for anchor. Me, my anchor, right. And, and whenever I, whenever I um, encounter problems, Uh, setbacks and, um, and, and, and bad things happening to either me or the people around me, I can now always find um, both comfort and encouragement in, in my music and um, like um, stay level-headed and, and work these things out. 
Exactly. And that's just being realistic. That's a part of life. You know, things aren't always going to be peaches and roses and strawberries yeah. and rainbows. We're going to deal with our um, we're going to we're going to have our issues. The point is that you're still in a good place to where you're you're making the effort to do better if it's every day. Whatever it is that that grounds you for you is music, whatever it is that you, you have to fall back on or to um help you out when those times do come because it's it's a fight i mean it, it's you're, you're fighting a good fight and we're all still a work in progress right and i i mean what what's what's good about um the internet and and um like modern technology is that whatever you are looking for if it's like like additionally um um if it's help or inspiration you you can now find it um more easy than ever before and i also have people that i look up to like um i i uh, look up to uh jordan peterson a lot because he's doing what yeah. what i'm trying to do on an entirely different level like he's helping out so many people with his books and his lectures and then there's this guy i have found pretty recently david goggins Who is a oh former, yeah the the uh, one who's like oh you you stop making excuses get out there and right <laughs> yeah 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 and he's like I think he's he was like a Navy the Seal toughest right? guy Seal. right yeah I think he's the toughest guy on the planet at the moment like I have um, like when I I first listened to to him speaking on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast and I was like I was glued to 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 the podcast like I I was. I was soaking up everything he said because he too he comes from a place of depression. He was overweight yeah. when he was young, younger and he was not taking care of himself and somehow he has developed something that um only very very few people on this planet have um have found which is like true will which is something that um I would never say that I have found but for, with me it's 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 pure luck like that I have found music and it's it, I, I'm kind of disciplined but what what this guy has is something entirely different like something that could never be taking taken away from him and I look up to people like that because they I think they're here for a reason they are especially now since that's something he always says that since people have become or are becoming weaker and weaker um like people like that they are here to show um to show those people or like like every one of us how it could be done yeah i i was i also speaking to david goggins because i know he's real real big about taking responsibility mm -hmm. for yourself and i can say that i i get that from you because it Going back to earlier when you were saying that you know people that that or you have cousins, it could be family members. I mean, I, I know people and I was even one of those that it was always mm -hmm. somebody else. They they're not giving me a chance. They're looking at me this way. Uh, they you know, but it, uh, there, there's a so many people that we could point the blame to. But when you finally take responsibility for your own actions, your own choices and taking control of your life that's when you can finally see some Absolutely. changes yeah i mean i remember me being the same like before i was also like yeah my parents are are divorced and i have a 
lot, lots of cases of depression and, and addiction in my family and maybe that's hereditary and yeah, stuff like that. But at a certain point in your life, you have to, to distance yourself from that because that when, once you, you're a grown adult, it's, it's mostly on you. Yeah, you you had you had a, a lot of excuses or reasons to to say this isn't going to work and and effort, you know. But um, when you're younger, we're we're all born into different conditions and you don't have control over that. But like you said, once you get a little bit older, you can start making some changes and some adjustments and figure out what isn't working, what you see, and how can you um, change that for the better. And you through music there's a lot of people that find different outlets but the point is you have to find it within yourself to start taking action that's true absolutely Fry, this was a great conversation i really appreciate your words your time and i'd like to share everything that you have going on in the description box after this uh, this is published with uh, your music and even your community, everything, everything that you have going on. Your music is, uh, I, I dig it, so I'm a fan. So I, I look forward to listening to more of, of what you have on, on the YouTubes and the Spotify's. And is there anything else that you would like to leave off with before we wrap this thing up? First of all, let me thank you again for inviting me to this. And, Absolutely. Um, like, I uh, I have to say this is the best podcast I have ever done. Oh, that, this that is means like, a lot. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, because this is like really in line with what I'm trying to um, to get across to people. Not just, hey, look at me, I'm, I'm a guitar player and I can play this and that. But yeah, like I want to to give people what what I have been giving been been given with music. You know, and um, yeah, I really enjoyed this this conversation. And yeah, the only thing I have to say is if, if you are like the listener, if you listeners, if you are struggling with anything like that and you feel like um, talking to, to anybody, find get professional help first and then find find something that, that you care about. And if you're into great music, uh, great guitar music then you, you you might look me up as well and then join my community I'll, I'll be happy to to welcome you to my to my street team group and uh, hear hear your story because that's to me that's what being a musician is mostly about not like making lots of money and and uh, showing off your talent to the world but meeting new and interesting people and finding more and more ways to connect with them couldn't have said it any better myself thank you so much thank you i'd like to thank fry again for being open for being vulnerable allowing himself to be vulnerable and for being strong because like i said before it takes guts it takes courage to open yourself up and to talk about things in your life that are sensitive, things in your life that are very personal. So I always appreciate it when someone like Fry comes on and is willing to share a piece of that with us. I respect it. I also respect the fact that Fry, he was willing to 
look within himself. He had that introspective personality to where he looked in himself to figure out how can I get better? Looking at his environment, his mother, not in the best of conditions. And that was from a generational cycle of undealt with trauma, pain, suffering, loss, and how that cycle continued for generations. But Fry, he took it upon himself. He had something in himself that made him want to break the curse, so to speak, and to change his reality. It's not to say everything just overnight got better. As life is, we go through our ups and downs. It's a ride. It really is a ride. And even with his setbacks, even with his failures, he still got back on course, still got back on the horse, and rode on and was pushing on to try to find a better tomorrow for him. And he found it through music. And that's been his purpose now. That's his way to connect with people. That's his way to build with people who have that same passion or who have been through the same trauma, the same neglect, the same struggle. So there will be a link included in this episode to everything that Fry is involved with. He has a YouTube channel. He also does guitar lessons. He has tutorials online. He has a Facebook group. He does live streaming sessions. He's doing a lot, coaching, all of that. If you're a music lover, you like playing the guitar, you want to even learn the guitar, or you've just been inspired by his story and what he's doing, reach out to him, show him some love, connect. I'm sure he'd be more than happy to hear from you. So my hat's off to you, bro. All the best, and again, thank you again for your time, your words, and your message. And I want to thank all of the listeners, again, because I'm seeing people tuning in from all corners of the globe and that's been encouraging and exciting to see thank you for tuning in if you can and when you can to help us know what it is that is resonating with you what you like about the show what you don't like about the show either way that's the only way we can improve and help grow this share it with a friend or somebody you think might find value in this and also let us know what platform it is you're tuned into whether it's spotify deezer google amazon music and if you would like to be a part of this show and share your story or even a story of somebody in your life that has impacted you in a positive way my door is open and you can always reach out to me via email i'd be happy to connect Till next time, and very soon, peace. Looking for a sign to know I'm on the right road. Ain't seen no sign since. Jericho's 